It's Fully Threaded Radio, episode 154. Despite some of the walking back of the reopening process, particularly in states like California, Arizona, Texas, Florida, we do not believe that there is a high probability of a major kind of statewide or countrywide shutdown with corresponding full-on stay-at-home orders and business closures, which at the end of the day, that's what really matters from an economic perspective is uh, taking the emotion out of all the COVID-19 data and looking at, you know, what are the economic perspective uh, of this pandemic? And right now, what we're not expecting that to be leading to a secondary wave of closures. And so the expectation is that the worst impact from an economic perspective and from a healthcare perspective is likely in the rearview mirror. 2020s should be a great decade for American business overall and for American manufacturers in particular. It's time for Fully Threaded Radio. It is Fully Threaded Radio, voice of the FCH Sourcing Network. For over 10 years now, this is Fastener Talk Radio, available anywhere. There's an internet connection, which is perfect if you're on the road, but chances are (laughs) you're at home, either working from home or doing something from home. Hi, everybody. Eric Dudas here with you. It's so good that you clicked in, and the co-host of Fully Threaded is with us as well. I know where he is. He's at home, too. (laughs) Hey, Bri. How you doing? Well, I'm sort of okay, actually. I mean, I'm stuck at home, staying at home. I'm sick to death of being at home, actually. Other than that, I'm working away and achieving things, I hope. Well, I've been watching some of the projects we've been working on melt away, so I know you're up to good. And, uh, of course, uh, full disclosure, you did get the chance to swing out to the Cleveland area for a few days. It was great to see you. But, yeah, other than that, it's been a lot of sort of the summer doldrums creeping in amid actually some pretty fast fastener industry activity, though. So that's the backdrop for all of this. Of course, we had a soundbite from Alex Chesofsky. He's our opening segment on the podcast today. He's with ITR Economics. He had a lot to say, and of course, that was a fairly exciting soundbite, Brian. I pulled that one out to, I guess, kind of buoy people out of their potential (laughs) stupor at home. They need some booing, too. Yeah, well, a lot of us do, you know. I mean, there's a whole lot going on that, frankly, let's face it, you just don't want to really look at. And uh, amid all that, there are some very exciting headlines in the fastener industry. So we'll get with Alex Chesofsky shortly, and um, he'll do a recap on the presentation that he made to the NFDA recently. Uh, Actually, they looked at what they call the black swans and... Tell us what that all means and what we should be expecting for the near term all the way up until 2022 is pretty much the gist of what he's going to discuss today. Okay, good. During the feature segment on today's episode, we'll be speaking with OJ Simpson and Bernie Longin of Linfast Solutions Group. The recent headline there, 
those two gentlemen were elevated to leadership positions in their respective divisions. There have been a lot of outstanding questions about what's going on with LinFast over the last year or so. They'll clear a lot of that up, let us know where things stand today and what they're rolling out to the industry. Also, further to the theme of exciting headlines in fasteners, the fastener distributor index numbers in June really got a lot of people's attention, and I mean that in a good way (laughs) for a change, Bri. Yeah, I know. (laughs) An unexpected turnaround, I guess unexpected by many, but nevertheless, there it was. Tim O'Keefe is the CEO of GL Hewitt. He'll be joining Mike McNulty on the Fastener News Report today. They'll share their take on what exactly those numbers mean and drill into the specific areas that go into the FDI. And as always, Carmen Vertulo's got the Fastener Training Minute. If you handle nylon insert lock nuts, or you know someone who does, (laughs) you'll get a lot out of Carmen's presentation today. That should be quite a few of our members, actually, and listeners. Thanks again for clicking in, and Brian... I will thank you in advance for shouting out the fine list of sponsors that make Fully Threaded Radio a reality. (laughs) Good. The title sponsors of Fully Threaded Radio are Stellfast, Brighton Best International, and Gerbil Fasteners. Stellfast, for service you deserve and people you trust. Brighton Best International, tested, tried, and true. Gerbil Fasteners, quality the first time. Also sponsoring Fully Threaded Radio are Buckeye Fasteners, BTM Manufacturing, Eurolink Fastener Supply Service, Fastener Fair USA, InSQL Software, ND Industries, Parker Fasteners, Fault Industrial Plastics, Worth Industry North America, and Solution Industries, home of Solution Man. So thanks to all of our sponsors. They make this show possible. It takes time and effort to put it all together, and this is one way of allowing us to do it. If you need fasteners, make sure you think of these sponsors first. It's a strong group we've got. We're very grateful for it, and we're grateful for our ever-growing audience. Please let us know what you think of the podcast. You can reach out. Our email address is ftr at fullythreaded.com, or if you prefer, you can always put a message in a bottle and throw it into West Branch Reservoir. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Preferably uh, Silver Creek. I'll pick it up next time I'm out there. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, that's the way I feel sometimes, Pry, with the way communication is. You know, you were all at home, but yet you keep missing people. You really wonder about the calls that continuously go to voicemail, don't you? Yeah, or that don't get returned. The summer doldrums are definitely setting in. I can feel it. Again, fortunately, business is still pretty good. And before we really get going on the podcast today, I want to start things off by congratulating one of our just-mentioned sponsors, that's Eurolink Supply Service. Congratulate them on their 20th year in business. That is great and a great achievement. It is. It doesn't happen every business, that's for sure. And to commemorate this year, Craig has released yet another of his awesome t-shirts. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, which in keeping with the rock and roll tour theme, features the punchline stay at home tour 2020 (laughs) oh how very appropriate (laughs) yeah so way to go craig and company 
You can see the new tea on his LinkedIn page, which is where I caught a glimpse of it. And it was just so appropriate. So thanks for the t-shirt. I'm sure uh, there's one in the mail for you, Bri. Cool. And um, if you're a your link customer, my guess is there's probably one in your future as well. Although don't want to put words in Craig's mouth, but that's the kind of guy he is. And uh, thanks for the t-shirt in advance, but also thanks for giving me really the title for today's episode. So it'll be stay at home tour. I think that's probably better than what I was going to use. I was, I was going to dovetail off of Alex's presentation on the black swans. Oh yeah. (laughs) But a little bit of a downer. I think I prefer the t-shirt theme. Okay. Yeah. And I just wanted to avoid any more reason to be down. Nobody needs that today. Right. Right. All I need now is is a gym to open so I can wear it. Yeah, well, that's a whole nother issue. (laughs) Right. You're still not working out at home, huh? Well, I don't really have the sort of space that you have. And the answer is I'm not. And it really, it's sort of, I think people who get used to working out, you get into a routine and when you, suddenly the routine all breaks apart, it's really awkward. I used to use my workout time was... Yeah, you know, start. I always worked out in the morning, and that was sort of when I'd work out the things I was going to do over the day, and you'd sort of set up the priorities and things and everything, and um, so it's a whole structure that's sort of missing at the moment. Well, maybe you should give Rich Cavoto a call and get some tips from him. You know, hey everybody, check out episode one fifty two. This is turning into kind of a redux, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sure he's got some training tips for you. In any event, whether you're working at home or you're one of the lucky few that are working at the office or even luckier, you're on the road and you're making calls of some kind, thanks for clicking in. This is Fully Threaded Radio. We'll be back momentarily to put a wrench to this one. Right. Two men, one server, a fastener dog, and a stunning lack of more lucrative alternatives. It's Fully Threaded Radio. At Bright Invest, we continue to expand our wide range of products, including stainless steel and metric fasteners. Our family of brands include Preferred, US Anchor, and Ironclad Performance Wear. BBI has been a trusted partner since 1925. With award-winning hand tools, gloves, and drywall screws, BBI is the largest master distributor of fasteners in the USA. Tested, tried, and true. We are Bright Invest. To learn more about Brighton Best, visit brightonbest.com. Global Fasteners presents the Golok Structural Interlocking Blind Rivet, available in aluminum, steel, and stainless steel with diameters 3/16 of an inch, quarter of an inch, and 3/8 of an inch. The Golok is one of the most versatile and common style of structural rivets on the market today. Paired with the Air Power 3 pneumatic tool, this combination proves efficiently robust for truck and trailer applications where the need for heavy-duty fasteners is required. With its high-strength features, it is clear why the GoLock is the best-performing structural blind rivet in the market today. Global Fasteners. Quality the first time. GlobalFasteners.com Stealthfast customers say it all. Tim Minter, Northern State Supply. I've been in this industry for 40 years, and I can never remember 
basically when Stellfast hasn't been a part of it, they've taken care of us over the years, helped us grow. Quality outfit, quality people. This goes back to the days when Surrender and you call up to uh, Toronto and they, we ran out of some 70s jam nuts and they were basically just open in Cleveland, I believe, at the time. And president of the company took care of it and it got us what we needed in about three or four days and saved us from shutting down a uh, production line. And they'll bend over backwards and take care of your needs for you. It's more of a, a personal relationship with the group. Very good group of people. For service you deserve and people you trust, it's Stealthast. Hey, this is Clayton Allen from Buckeye Fasteners in Cleveland, Ohio, and you're listening to Fully Threaded Radio. Well, Bright, lots of news as we mentioned the top and here's one that will appear in Mike McNulty's news report coming up later but I think it's probably pretty widely known already sadly and we all kind of expected this the International Fastener Expo 2020 is not going to come off wow I sort of was expecting it but it's you know I guess it just means the years can you know continue as it started off it's sort of a mess more staying at home, in other words. Yes, I know. I'll be staying at home. <laughs> well, there are lots of these cancellations going on. I mean, you have to be dead or something to uh, not know this. But true, I think they were in a real tough spot, you know, and they held on as long as they could. And who knows, a lot of speculation about why it took them so long to finally pull the plug. But it's got to be hard and... We'll try to get Morgan Wilson on to update us next episode. He did send a lengthy explanation note out to the industry. And uh, again, the big news is that the IFE 2020 has been canceled. Now, one thing, Bri, I've realized with all this staying at home, you know, I have the FCH Sourcing Network trade show booth set up in the front room <laughs> <laughs> over here at the uh, FTR Studios. Just for like old time's sake, is it really? <laughs> you just go and set this up somewhere in your bedroom or somewhere? Uh, it's not in my bedroom, but uh, <laughs> you know, I had it actually as the backdrop for that big IFE Zoom conference that I was involved in a few weeks back, and I just left it there. What I noticed is not only is it a great looking backdrop and trade show booth, but you turn it around, it works great for hanging clothes. Oh, I'm sure it's very useful. Okay. Thought of using a wardrobe? I mean, they work as well. <laughs> you know, with my lifestyle, I never know where I'm going to be. You know, I stay at home, but uh, it could be any one of several homes. So all these things you find out. And I'm also conjuring up a new marketing idea for FCH, Bri. I'm calling it the Vegas Dividend. See, I figure since a lot of companies are not going to be spending those marketing dollars, you know, it makes a lot of sense to take a closer look at FCH and particularly the preferred search result placement program, because this is something I don't know a lot of people are aware that we've started doing at FCH and we've got a team now that's going to help us get this message out, but it's pretty cool. Everybody knows FCH is a great place to go to find fasteners. Either you're in a pinch or you're looking for a new vendor, what have you. But if you sell through FCH and you want to dominate a particular category, take, for example, nylon insert lock nuts. 
Carmen Vertulo will be speaking about those today, but that happens to be a very lucrative product category on the network. A lot of searches go through. There's a lot of money to be made there. And look, there's no companies that have that category as of today. Right. And so in line with that, we should explain that for the people who have these preferred search results, there's a separate um, little box that comes up above the main search results that features just just those ones of the company that selected them. So in the example we're describing right now with lock nuts, if you had that category, somebody does a search on FCH for lock nuts, the place goes wall to wall, your company logo and your parts come up on top. So it's a kind of a page out of Google's playbook. Of course, we are often referred to as Scroogle. And you can take a look to see what categories might be available. Perhaps the ones that you do business in are where you should be thinking about putting some of that Vegas dividend marketing money. Get out to fastenersclearinghouse.com. Go to the advertise page. There's a link that shows all of the available categories. Again, that's Preferred Search Placement Program. Brought to you by your friends at FCH Sourcing Network. Fastenersclearinghouse Clearinghouse with an S. And the S is for stay at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, we're just tying it all together, Bri. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> well, that's going to roll us into this conversation with Alex Chasovsky of ITR Economics. I think, actually, I'm sure this is the first time we've actually had someone from ITR talk with us on the podcast. Yeah, it is. I'm very glad that he took the time. I want to point out that Alex did mention to me off mic that the one thing about all this information that he shares is he wanted to be sure to let everybody know, you know, the only way that you can really keep on top of developments is simply by keeping on top of developments. In other words, things are continuously changing and in today's business environment, you know, we're going to be talking about black swans. By definition, things happen that nobody really expects. So I guess when you're in the economics business, you kind of have to put that asterisk on everything that you say. So having said that, the main points of the presentation, now keep in mind, when he made this presentation to the NFDA, it was like 90 minutes and some Q&A. He jams it into under 20 minutes during the conversation today. It's really information dense. And if you didn't hear the NFDA presentation, this is for you. If you did hear it, it's a good refresher. Right. I also asked him, Bri, specifically, and again, this was off mic, but why didn't he mention the Fastener Distributor Index in his comments? <laughs> Put him on the spot. So to speak. Well, yeah, I didn't want to do that, you know, on Mike again. So, but I did want to know, and he really finds the FDI interesting. But again, it's one of these things in their business, you know, they have to be very careful about all the sources they consider, and they are. And the benchmarks they use are all pretty tried and true. I mean, they don't share their proprietary recipe necessarily. But they do look at the FDI. I've been sending the FDI to ITR for a long time now, but to Alex in particular for a few months. 
And I think it just came down to simple communication in this case. And I think he's going to make mention of the FDI because he does look at it. And he just had a lot of facts and figures to juggle. But rest assured, they're paying attention to all the good work that everybody out there in the industry who participates in the FDI that we're all doing. So that was good to know. Right. And if you're not participating, then you should be doing so, okay? Because the more people, the greater the accuracy, like any survey. And we've got over eight years of data now. By the way, he said they typically don't even look at an index unless it's got 10 years of data. So we're getting there. With that, why don't we play this conversation? Right. Well, the fastener industry is always fortunate anytime we have a chance to hear from the people at ITR Economics. And the NFDA did a great service to the industry when recently, actually it was June 22nd, we heard from Alex Chesofsky. He is Director of Speaking Services at ITR. He's with us now to recap a little bit of what he discussed back in June. Hi, Alex. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me back, Eric. Appreciate it. Great presentation you made that day. And a lot of people were tuned in, but fortunately for us, you're going to give us a recap because I think things have developed since that day. Plus, there's a lot of people in the audience who might not have had a chance to attend. (laughs) I know it was a long presentation, but do your best to summarize it for the fully threaded audience now. Yeah, absolutely, Eric. I'm happy to give you kind of our current view, uh, our expectations for the recovery in the U.S. economy, obviously from the black swan events that we saw in the first quarter of this year, namely the COVID-19 pandemic as it's still unfolding and affecting business all around the country and around the world, really. And I think the second black swan event is also important to mention, which was the collapse in oil and gas prices. When we look at the industrial economy, we think that that also has a substantial impact on our outlook. So if I were to summarize it in a concise way, we are essentially saying that the worst impact of the pandemic was concentrated in the second quarter of this year. We're expecting the beginnings of an improving trend in the economy to emerge in the second half of this year. And really, when you talk about the business cycle in this country, the way that we look at it, there are four phases of the cycle. There's recovery, there's uh, growth, which is accelerating growth. That's typically called phase B. There's the slowdown phase, and then there's the recessionary phase. Right now, very clearly, we're in that recession phase. We do expect that to give way to a recovery trend in the industrial sector in the early part of 2021, and then to really start to see some of that momentum build over the course of next year. When we track the data, when we look at the indications that would support this outlook, we're really looking at three different things. The first thing is we're constantly paying attention to all of the information regarding the coronavirus pandemic. And here we're tracking both the surge in cases that's going on right now across mainly the Southwest and Southern states in the country. But at the end of the day, really the data that we rely upon most is the deaths. That's the the numbers we deem most reliable. And so, So as a result, what we're looking at there is despite some of the walking back of the uh, reopening process, particularly in states like California, Arizona, Texas, Florida, uh, we are clearly not seeing the same type of swell in the death count that we saw during that late March, early April timeframe that represented the, the real initial 
surge in uh, in the pandemic in the United States. And as a result, we are right now are watching this very carefully, but we do not believe that there is a high probability of a major kind of statewide or countrywide shutdown with corresponding full-on stay-at-home orders and business closures, which at the end of the day, that's what really matters from an economic perspective is uh, taking the emotion out of all the COVID-19 data and looking at, you know, what are the economic perspective uh, of this pandemic? And right now, what we're not expecting that to be leading to a secondary wave of closures. And so the expectation is that the worst impact from an economic perspective and from a healthcare perspective is likely in the rearview mirror at this point. The second thing that we're tracking are leading indicators of economic activity. Uh, we have a dashboard of kind of the top uh, 12 indicators or so. Uh, they were in rising trends at the beginning of the year, which coincided with our previous pre-Black Swan event expectations that the U.S. economy was going to see some rise in the second half of 2020. But obviously, that trend got broken when both the COVID pandemic and the oil prices Black Swan event occurred during the first quarter. We had most of the indicators turn into declining trends. But the encouraging news is that we have seen several months of rise now. We have seen uh, coming off of that tentative April 2020 low in many of our leading indicators. Some of those trends are just a month old. Several of them are in the two-month category. But we really need to look at this data on a more kind of big picture view. So in order to confirm a rising trend in leading indicators, you usually need at least three months of consecutive rise. So we're paying very close attention to that. We're seeing some of the positivity. And I think that uh, the index that you guys put out, the Fastener Index, is also showing some really positive signs in the May and June timeframe. But of course, again, as economists, as macro thinkers, we need that trend to continue. So we're looking for that confirmation in the June, uh, July, August timeframe. And if that does continue, that we're certainly going to be much more confident in the timing expectations of our turnaround. We've also decided that uh, looking at monthly data is not uh, as helpful as it typically is when you're dealing with black swan events. So we've incorporated some weekly economic indicators that we're tracking. And consistently across the board, they're basically saying the same message, which is you are seeing rising economic activity off of a mid to late April 2020 low. Uh, we've seen that carry through June. We're still waiting for a lot of the July data, but I can tell you that kind of tangentially speaking, when we talk to our customers, many of whom are industrial manufacturers, we are starting to see some signs of a slowdown in that recovery occurring in July. Um, I think that there are likely many factors behind it, but certainly kind of some cautious uh, thinking and behavior emerging as we see these swelling cases and some some uh, walking back uh, of the reopening talk across the country is playing a factor in that. But so far, so good. The weekly economic index from the Federal Reserve Board of New York has been in a nice, consistent rising trend. When we look at the housing market, that typically is kind of the canary in the coal mine for us. It usually has about a year lead time to the industrial economy, and that's been rising off of a mid-2020 low. And so if you add 12 months to that, that kind of supports our expectations of a low point in the industrial economy happening early next year. Uh, we've got other things like the movement of freight around the country, both in terms of the intermodal rail traffic 
and the uh, truck freight recovery index. Uh, they're both in recovery and now up ab above the pre-Black Swan event level. So that shows that the country continues to have some, some uh, resilient demand and that the goods are still moving all around. But, you know, offsetting that is some weakness in the capacity utilization rates. We think that those metrics are quite important because they really track the existing percentage of uh, factory space, of capacity that uh, industry is utilizing to meet current levels of demand. And uh, across the board, they, they do remain fairly suppressed. So it really feeds into this thinking that although we do see some fledgling signs of recovery taking hold, uh, any type of full recovery is going to be uh, more of a two steps forward, one step back kind of process. It's not going to be linear, and it's certainly not going to be exponential. So it's going to be very important to pay attention to the data uh, as it unfolds over the coming couple of months. We think that really that fall time frame is going to give us a lot more uh, confidence in talking about the specific timing of the low point in the business cycle in this country. And then the very last thing that I'll point to is the huge amount of stimulus. We're, we're looking at this very carefully. It's really unprecedented in, in nature in the sense that it blows anything that the Fed or that Congress did during the 08-09 Great Recession completely out of the water. We think that that support, that mitigation strategy that the government is leveraging to try to offset the worst impact of the pandemic right now, it takes some time to filter through. So we still think that it's going to be a nice boost to the economy in the second half of the year, um, especially as we discuss any the third round of the CARES Act or as the, uh, the Main Street lending program hopefully gains some momentum and provides businesses with the liquidity and the cash they need to get through this difficult period of uh, suppressed orders and get into that position to take full advantage of the rising trend that we're expecting next year. So those three things, the, the latest data from the pandemic, the uh, input from the leading indicators, and this expectation that the stimulative and the, uh, the supportive action from the government still has a big role to play in the recovery profile really comes together to support our view that we're going to have some improvement in the second half of this year, but really the low point is going to be from a cyclical perspective, early 2021, and then the rising trend will be felt much more by the fastener industry by, and by the industrial economy as a whole as we get into that mid-2021 timeframe. Wow. Well, you packed a lot into those comments, as you always do. Thanks for that, Alex. And, uh, you know, I say this during the Q&A portion of your recent presentation, uh, one of these questioners asked you sort of one of these apocalyptic style questions about, you know, is this the end of the monetary system as we know it? And uh, the uh, ITR outwardly is I've always regarded you folks as this, uh, Austrian economists, and you gave a real Keynesian kind of an answer. Uh, but I hearken back to, it was either Alan or Brian's comment during the previous ITR presentation to the industry, and that was, you can't fight the Fed. So the, your point number three is well taken. Like it or not, this is what's happening. We're, uh, we're going down this road. You know, but I also want to rewind to your business phase comments, because if we're still approaching phase B, which last time I heard from you, it was 2022 was your estimate. That plays into the big takeaway quote I had, which the decade of the 20s belongs to American business. And it sounds like 
ITR is still on board with that idea. Yes, absolutely we are. We think that in particular, American manufacturing should benefit longer term from some of the trends that we saw start as uh, you know, as far back as 2018 with the onset of the trade war. But really this notion that, um, you know, the, the single focused pursuit of the cheapest manufacturing is no longer taking the same type of uh, precedence or priority in many of the decision makers' mindsets. They recognize both with the trade war impact and now with the disruption that we've seen to supply chains as a result of the pandemic, that there are other factors that really need to be weighed with more uh, more gravitas when you're contemplating decision-making and investment. And so we think that you know not only as a longer-term trend, but we're already starting to see companies take advantage of some unique opportunities that uh, companies are starting to identify holes or gaps in their supply chain, their overt reliance on uh, sourcing from Far East Asia or from Eastern Europe and realizing that you know, there are many things that can disrupt this and really put the business at a significant risk. And so they are identif- identifying these gaps. And in some cases, we actually see some new business formation happening to fill those gaps. That comes with the realization that yes, producing in North America, in the United States in particular is not always going to be the cheapest option, but it's going to come with some uh, great benefits. For example, uh, shorter lead times, uh, more quality control assurance, and this resiliency in terms of being able to say, I have a reliable source of production that is not going to be disrupted by geopolitical or um, you know health events or uh, weather-related events to the same extent as what we've seen uh, with the disruption caused both by the trade war and by the pandemic. So we believe that there's going to be some very positive momentum as a result of all of this for U.S. manufacturing in general. We think that companies should be looking very proactively for opportunities in this space, whether that means expanding your relationships with existing clientele that might be adding uh, some production facilities here or looking for new potential clients that may be looking to enter the market uh, you know, and fill that need that exists right now. So that's true for the U.S. It's true for North America as a whole. I think what we're going to see is uh, m- much more reliance on the regional economy, with especially with the with a new trade um, deal that we've got with Canada and Mexico. You still have the low-cost production uh, access to Mexico, although it's not as cheap as it used to be several years ago. It's clearly still uh, advantageous in many occasions from a cost basis. But we definitely see this as a benefiting factor for American businesses, uh, you know, that in some cases were hurt quite significantly by the outsourcing trend and, you know, certain sectors that were really disproportionately affected by that should see some of that recovery, some of that nearshoring or uh, a reshoring trend, uh, if you will, uh, benefit them over the next decade. And I think that that goes into this thinking that, 2020s should be a great decade for American business overall and for American manufacturers in particular. Well, I think you've got a lot of people's attention there, Alex, because um, reshoring and uh, nearshoring are huge topics ongoing on the podcast, and it seems like there's movement there. So we're going to be keeping our eyes on that. We'll be keeping our ears on everything that ITR Economics has to say. Everybody, you can get out to itreconomics.com to plug into that world. Of course, the NFDA and some of the other associations support presentations from time to time. Take advantage of those. It's always time and money well spent. I want to 
finish up with a real easy one with you, Alex. And that's something that we've always been scratching our heads about around here. Of course, we're dealing really with theater of the mind mostly. <laughs> now, and, and I know you're going to be straight with us because you're a straight shooter. Uh, is uh, Brian and Alan really the same guy? Come on, let it out. Well, although it is a strategically protected secret of IT economics, we've actually employed a very aggressive organic growth strategy by cloning them. So, you know, we've, we've got lots of Brian and Allens out on the road presenting at all sorts of groups and associations. But um, it's certainly something that is very uh, convenient to us because we can just swap them in for one another when, when the opportunity arises. So uh, I'm uh, in the process of trying to grow a beard like them, hopefully, as I start to gray over the years, I'll be able to slide right into that uh, to that mix. But it, it's certainly something that is a great source of entertainment for people, uh, whether they have Alan or Brian, they get a great experience. And in reality, I think, uh, it, you know, their personalities are actually quite different. Uh, the, the sense of humors are quite different. And if you spend some time with them, you'll be able to tell them apart quite easily. Okay, well, I'm sure the secret formula for whatever you're doing is a well-guarded secret, but fortunately you share your wisdom with us and uh, you've shared it with us today here. So thank you, Alex Chesovsky. And of course, it's another difficult to pronounce name. And I think that's another requirement of being at ITR. It must be, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for being with us, Alex. My pleasure, Eric. Have a great day. Fastener Talk Radio. It's like feng shui for the fastener industry. Brian and Eric, Fully Threaded Radio. At Bright Invest, we continue to expand our wide range of products, including stainless steel and metric fasteners. Our family of brands include Preferred, US Anchor, and Ironclad Performance Wear. BBI has been a trusted partner since 1925. With award-winning hand tools, gloves, and drywall screws, BBI is the largest master distributor of fasteners in the USA. Tested, tried, and true. We are Brighton Best. To learn more about Brighton Best, visit brightonbest.com. My name is Joe Stack. I'm the sales ops manager at Worth. I've been here eight years for a reason. Really what was appealing to me was kind of that more family atmosphere. We're all, we're all here trying to do a good job. We really appreciate each other. It's been a great experience. I've been able to grow kind of in my position professionally. Worth has provided opportunities. If you're interested in getting involved in management and stuff, they have programs to kind of start training you and to teach you more about the Worth culture as a whole. It is exactly how a business should be, where they empower their employees. If you have a good idea, then we're gonna use it. It's not stay in your silo and just talk about your silo. It's you got a great idea regardless of your experience or how long you've been here or whatever. It doesn't matter. A great idea is a great idea. So if you're looking for a place that'll really appreciate what you have to offer, that's, that's why I work here. Regardless of the required size, materials, or finish, Eurolink has the European resources to meet your hard-to-find metric fastener demands. How do we do it? Eurolink has access to more than 100,000 quality metric parts. With daily air freight shipments and monthly sea freight shipments, we have the ability to solve your toughest metric fastener supply issues. Just think of us as your heavy metal rock stars. To learn more about how we can rock your fastener world, just visit us at EurolinkFSS.com. This is George Hunt III from Brighton Best International, and you're listening to Fully Threaded Radio. 
Brian Herrick, back with you on the online fastener boogie machine, fully threaded. You know, Brian, we don't mention it often enough, but Fastener Technology International magazine is, it's just a hell of a magazine. Of course, the editor is Mike McNulty. He'll be coming up momentarily with the Fastener News Report. All right. He'll be joined by Tim O'Keefe of GL Hewitt this time to knock around with the FDI numbers. And the news segment is a favorite with a lot of FTR fans. Of course, it's sponsored by Volt Industrial Plastics. And I will also point out that the title sponsors of Fully Threaded Radio are Stellfast, Brighton Best International, and Global Fasteners. And getting back to Fastener Tech Magazine, Bry, I missed it earlier, but apparently traveling salesmen talked with Javier Gomez, he of La Casa de los Tornillos, <laughs> down in San Juan, Puerto Rico. Right, and a very devoted listener of Fully Threaded Radio too, actually. Javier, you mean? Yeah, and both of them, actually. Well, but yeah, Javier. Yes, he's definitely one of our favorite international listeners, of which there are many, but just a handful in his neck of the woods. Anyway, I tell you, this magazine's got just page after page of good content and all across the board too. I mean, product information, distributor stuff, manufacturing. I mean, it's really got its own niche, doesn't it? It does. And that's why we have Mike McNulty on. If you're focused on fasteners like Mike McNulty is, it's the magazine for you. Of course, Link Magazine has got its place in the sun as well. And I noticed that there was a sneak preview out on LinkedIn of the summer cover featuring you're gonna love this cover bry i don't know if this is a delorean well i haven't seen the sneak preview but for delorean it's pretty obvious yeah you'll recognize it if it is anyway it's a souped up futuristic back end of a car license plates parker fasteners so (laughs) matt scored a feature with link magazine this time around check out page 16 for that and of course More big news that might have passed without anybody noticing, or at least I didn't catch it the first time around, but Parker announced recently their accreditation to AS9100D. So the scope of registration includes domestic cold heading manufacturing of socket screws, specialty per print fasteners, straight die thread rolling service, and now design and development of aerospace fasteners. Oh, okay. So new location, new accreditation, Parker Fasteners, they're coming on strong, especially with this Link Magazine cover. Cool. That's good. We'll just spin one other news item out before we let Mike do his thing. This one, I guess, is appropriate for everyone who is stuck at home, which is everyone pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. And with everything being canceled, here's something you can look forward to. Thank you. I guess if you're within a mulligan of Cleveland, that is... The NCFA Screw Open, that's the annual golf outing of the NCFA, is still on, set for September 10th. And this event is always a ton of fun, Bry. We've been out there many times, although not recently, but maybe this is the year to break our recent habit of missing this thing. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of concessions they make to pull it off, but I hope it does come off. Yeah, I know. I mean, people need an excuse to sort of get together. A lot of good people at the NCFA, and they always have a very good turnout for this. My guess is that if it does come off, it's going to be pretty well attended. 
because I think there's a lot of pent up demand. And I think that a lot of people realize that they can certainly go out and play golf with no problem. So get out to ncfaonline.com. That's the website. Although I see the crack web team over there at NCFA hasn't quite got the registration link working, but I'm sure that'll be rectified soon. NCFA screw open September <laughs> 10th. Good. Do the honors. Yeah. So for news about screws that you can use, here's Mike McNulty. Thanks, Eric and Brian. This is Mike McNulty from Fastener Technology International Magazine, bringing you the Fastener News Report, which is sponsored by Volt Industrial Plastics, makers of the world's finest plastic fasteners. Sports franchises and college programs all over America are cowering in fear to stay out of the sights of Nike, ESPN, Disney, FedEx, Pepsi, and Amazon, just to name a few of the fraudulent humanitarian goons they're obsessed with lecturing the unlightened masses but I am still focused on fasteners and ready to deliver today's fastener news report. In this episode, Tim O'Keefe, Chief Executive Officer of GL Hewitt and former Associate Chair of the NFDA, joins us to reveal the latest results of the Fastener Distributor Index, also known as the FDI. Also in today's broadcast, we have our top story on the LinFast Solutions Group, as well as newsmaker headlines from industry names including Lisi Group, Brainerd Rivet, Advanced Components, Valley Forge, Distribution One, the IFA, and the NFDA. On the back page report, we're going to talk about nicknames, mascots, logos, and bullies. We'll get to all of that in the latest FDI results right after this. My name is Joseph Oltrauer. We got really good people. Work ethic, you know. You do a little more than what you're getting paid for. You know, it's, I'm a great believer in that. That's how you get ahead. We are Volt. If you grow too fast, you can go broke real quick. And grow, growing too slow is not as dangerous, but it's boring. <laughs> we are Volt. We know how to build the tools, and if you don't have the tools, you can't do anything. Volt Industrial Plastics, makers of the world's finest plastic fasteners. Parker Fasteners is your premier cold heading manufacturer, forging the future with precision and quality as our top priority. When you think of domestically produced sockets and tamper-proof screws from alloy and stainless, including A286, think Parker Fasteners. Our lockout line of security fasteners feature high-torque, oval center pin design, and unique lobes that provide one-of-a-kind security for your customers. Our in-house 3D printing capability makes the prototyping process fast and affordable, and we're ready to produce your large or small run orders with highly competitive pricing and unbeatable lead times. So, forge the future with Parker Fasteners. Visit Parker Fasteners online today at parkerfasteners.com. Solution Man, Ken. Solution Man, you're my fastener hero. Just doing my job, ma'am. S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N, S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N. Solution Industry. We are Solution. The seasonally adjusted fastener distributor index for June was 56.9, a massive increase over the last two months of results, which were 45 in May and 40 in April. 
Fastener Distributor Index data is collected and analyzed by the FCH Sourcing Network, the National Fastener Distributors Association, and Baird. The FDI seeks to identify demand pricing and outlook trends within the American fastener distribution industry. To get some insights on these results, we talked to Tim O'Keefe. He's the CEO of GL Hewitt and the former Associate Chair of the NFDA. Hi, Tim. Thanks for joining us on the Fastener News Report. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's good to hear you. So what do you think about these latest FDI results, which are pretty good? <laughs> you know, first of all, we, we, we really appreciate uh, you all putting this together. And we use the FDI internally as a benchmark, so we, we pay attention to it. Uh, it is a sentimental index, and so there can be some swings month to month. And so you, you, know, you have to kind of temper that somewhat, but it's, it's good to know. Um, you know, it's, it's quite an extraordinary spike uh, in one month. And so uh, my initial reaction to the latest number is, is it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty emotional. And uh, my sense is that right now there's just a little bit of what I will call anticipation bias, where people want things to be better. And so the first number they see that's positive, uh, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna jump and, and you know, search for euphoria, if you will. And uh, I think across the industry, uh, June was certainly much better than May. And so there's there's great anticipation for being positive. But maybe uh, I look at the number as maybe a bit euphoric when you cast it against the realities, the underlying economic fundamentals. Yeah, that's a good point. I think the uh, this number is the highest it's been since last February. And <laughs> not, yeah. not, not 2020 February, but 2019 February. So yep. it's def- <laughs> definitely, as you point out, sentimental and emotional. And I guess, uh, you know, that's not a bad thing. You know, we've had, uh, you know, three months, well, back in April, it was the lowest ever FDI. And then we had a nice increase in May. And now we have this giant increase. So yeah, it, it's, uh, it's sitting there as high as it is. And uh, since late March, there's been 51 million new applications for unemployment. So, you know, yeah. the market out there reality is not euphoric. And yet that FDI is a euphoric number this month. Yeah. And the uh, the sales number, if we look at that, it's almost 70. It's 69.9, which is more than double of the May number of uh, 28.9. And then April was 14. So this is probably, you know, one of the highest sales numbers recorded in the last two years. So I think you yeah. A good point. <laughs> a lot of it's emotion, but you know, emotions are you know positive emotions are maybe better than the negative ones that we've been seeing a lot. Well, I think if you if you look at the FDI over you know several months, then the, you know then I think you know it, it will it will tend to iron itself out internally. What we do is we we run a three month moving average on it mm-hmm. so that smooth it out. Yeah, you're not you're not looking at one one number and either being down in the doldrums or euphoric as we saw last month. Right. Some of the other numbers, unemployment was up at 56 versus 40 in May and 26 in April. Deliveries were down a little bit. Inventory kind of flat. Pricing about flatter the same. So um, let's move on to the the six-month outlook also was uh, pretty positive. We have 61% of respondents expecting things to be better this time uh, at the end of the year and 29% the same and only 11 expecting it lower, which is a dramatic turnaround over the last two months. What are you guys looking at for the second half of the year? Yeah. You know, I, you know, I think that the year so far has largely been affected by the shock of May. And so I, you know, I think things will be better as we move toward the end of the year. I personally don't think they're going to be back 
to the level of 2019 by the end of the year. And also, uh, you know, I think that this index was taken in a matter of weeks ago. And in those weeks subsequent, um, we're seeing some inclinations for you know not the kind of shutdowns that we had in March and April, but certainly a slowing of the openings and in some cases retrenchment. And so once again, you know, I, I would say that that number is probably optimistic compared to you know what the reality might be by the end of the year, unless there's a significant change. Mm-hmm. The uh, the forward looking indicator, which gives a good indicate going forward, that's made up with the people's expectations as well as some other data that jumped 20% to 52.6, which is a really, you know, great number to see up there as well. That number of all the numbers seems to me to be what I would, again, this is just opinion. So, but it seems to be the most realistic of all these numbers. You know, what that suggests is above 50 means better than before, but slightly. And I think that's probably, that's probably going to be pretty true in my view of the industry as we, as we go through the rest of the year. Yeah, that's the first time since January that it's been above 50 this year. And uh, I'm just looking at the last three months of 19, we're also below 50. So that's good to see. Let's see how it plays out. And we can move on to the uh, uh, comments, which were, they're kind of uneven and some some people positive, some people not so positive. Anything on the comments jump out at you? Well, I think, you know, I think, again, the comments and the sentiment are going to be significantly affected by who your underlying customer base is. So if, if you're selling medical and uh, PPP, PPE, <laughs> rather, you're going to be a euphoric. If you're selling truck, you're probably, uh, you know, in the doldrums. Um, <laughs> right. I believe Fastball, for example, their fastener business was down in the, in the 12% range, but their overall top line was up. And that would be reflective of that effect of PPE sales. You know, and in the faster industry, you know, a lot of our products, you know, they don't fall into that PPE category. So among a lot of the participants, I, I'm, I'm thinking that they're they're probably, you know, aligned to, uh, you know, what you see in the FDI, you know, leading up to June. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it depends what you're serving, obviously. So the people that, you know, are more diverse or they're in the areas that are hot, they're going to have a better reaction to those who aren't. Uh, some of the comments that they're not in the report, but Eric sent me uh, all of the comments, and some of them are kind of funny, so I'm going <laughs> to yeah. throw those in there. Uh, take one all of the humor was, I can get. What's that? I said, I'll take all the humor I can get. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, well, not all of them are funny, but uh, one yeah. of them was, 2020 continues to drive inconsistencies that can't be predicted. That's not funny, but that's pretty accurate. The next one is funny. It, it says, we have an idiot for a mayor and a pompous ass for a governor. <laughs> Both ruining the city and state. Everybody can guess what city and state that is, which has yeah. the same name for both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, quote, I see a growing consensus to buy made in the USA whenever possible. And the last comment that I'll read, which is a little bit funny, it says the government needs, needs to move on, leave us alone and get back to business as usual. can kind of agree with that in some, some areas, but it's got to do its job in the areas that we rely on it for. Yeah, not do so much pontificating and posturing. Yeah, but that's a (laughs) fat chance of that changing. I I think so. I agree. Okay, before we we move on to the the last question and talk about uh, what's going on with you, anything else you want to add about the FDI or what what you're seeing out there? Well, you know, again, we use the FDI, um, and, and again, we really appreciate it. It just it seems like you know there's a there's a grounds for being real cautious yet. 
you know, I noticed that uh, in the last few days, uh, American Airlines and Delta are indicating about at least a in total between them a 50,000 uh, headcount reduction come October 1 when their subsidies all run out. So I think the airlines are going to lose north of 100,000 uh, around that October time frame. Even Southwest is saying they might have their first reduction in force in their history. And, uh, you know, I think the PPP loan situation, extending that to 24 weeks is probably postponing, you know, reductions in force to the end of that. So I, I think there's some some negative elements here that aren't aren't evident in the economy yet. And I, so I, I know we're, we're going to be cautious. We're, we're, we're going to be cautious in planning our future, at least through the end of the year. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, those are massive numbers when you, you talk about layoffs and then the, the effect it has on families and, and things like that. So that, as you say, the pain is being prolonged and maybe they're banking on things improving before then. You know, a few episodes back, we had the, um, the analyst on from Baird who does, you know, puts all these reports together and they're talking about yep. whether we're going to have a, a V recovery or a U recovery or a W or an L. And, <laughs> you know, I was hoping for the V. This would indicate a V, but I think it's not going to sustain itself. The long recovery is more like what's going to happen. Well, the, the other thing is that I think people need to keep a watch for is, you know, so far this has been really a business recession, depression based on demand. It has not been a financial one, at least yet. And, uh, you know, I, I think we need to watch the financial side. I saw the Census Bureau did a survey uh, last week and 12 million Americans missed their last rent payment and 23 million Americans have little or no confidence in making their next rent payment. You know, so what what happens to residential real estate when people start, you know, what, what happens to landlords that are expecting rent payments? And then when PPP money runs out, you know, what happens to commercial landlords when businesses can't pay their rent? You know, that can start to creep over into the financial side in the banks. And if that happens, things could get get real, real bad. So those would be some things that I probably would keep an eye on um, as long along with the stock market where, you know, Tesla is now worth more than Google. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> right. I think I keep an eye on some of those things. You're kind of hoping that this stays just as a business depression, because if it comes financial, it could be another set of bad circumstances on the economic side. Yeah, well, that's all That's all good advice. And uh, a lot of things are out of our control. So being cautious and prudent is definitely a good way to go. Yeah. Okay. So in closing, uh, I'll give you a chance to tell us uh, anything new that's going on at GL Hewitt. I saw some news that you guys are now offering some DFARS compliant make a key, uh, key stock. Yeah. We, uh, we put together um, the engineering on drawing uh, Monel Keystock to the ANSI standard, which is very precision. And this is a big deal for gearbox, uh, heat exchange, chemical, those kind of related industries, because typically the only availability for Keystock in those segments is to take a slab or a round or hex bar and form it, uh, milling it to size this is product that'll be available DFARS compliant with all the certs and paperwork, you know, right off the shelf. So we we're excited about our new products. Um, continue to expand our lifting hardware line, um, our pins line, and uh, our you know the other priority we have right now is is continuing to refine and improve our customer experience and put a lot into that. We're starting to use a lot of data analytics in that regard, so that uh, we try and make people happy. Yeah, well, that's a 
<laughs> that's a good objective and it's always good to have some stories to tell especially when things aren't going uh, going well in the economy yep yep okay well good well it's good to, to have you on the show and it's good to hear your insights and hear that things are going well in the uh, the middle of the country out there in kansas you bet i always appreciate it and again you know we use the fdi this is valuable tool for us and i'm really glad that you, know, you guys support the industry in the manner that you do appreciate it and uh, thanks for joining us tim thanks you bet that was tim o'keefe he's the chief executive officer of gl hewitt and he's the former associate chair of the nfda the fdi number for june was 56.9 versus 45 the previous month visit fdisurvey.com to participate in the process and to get a detailed pdf copy of baird's monthly analysis now for today's top story. Linfast Solutions Group, also known as LSG, the North American master distributor of specialty fasteners, has promoted three of its vice presidents to its senior leadership team. Bernie Longin, previous vice president of sales, will take on the role of president of the Lindstrom division. John Simpson, widely known in the industry as O.J. Simpson and the previous vice president of sales, will take on the role of president of the Stellfast division. John Newman, previous Vice President of Purchasing and Quality, will take on the role of Senior Vice President of Purchasing, Quality, and General Manager of the Megametric Division. LSG also promoted Bill Ackerfeld to Vice President and General Manager, and Marvin Brown to Senior Director of Operations and Administration of Linfast Canada. CEO Bill Nikitas says, quote, We are extremely pleased to be announcing the promotion of these five key leaders. Collectively, they have a decades-long track record in this industry, and they are all leaders who embrace our core values of integrity, respect, ownership, collaboration, excellence, and humility, end quote. Stay tuned to Fully Threaded Radio after this report, as Brian and Eric will be talking to O.J. Simpson and Bernie Longjin during today's feature segment. And with a late-breaking top story, Morgan Wilson, show manager of the International Fastener Expo, also known as IFE, regrets to announce the cancellation of the 2020 International Fastener Expo, which was scheduled to take place September 28th to 30th, 2020 at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center in Las Vegas. The show will return to the same location next year on September 21 to 23, 2021. Next up, today's Fastener Newsmaker headlines. In acquisition and expansion news, the Lisi Group has signed an agreement to acquire the remaining 49% of Termax LLC's equity. Bolton has acquired newly issued shares in Tension Cam Systems, and Brainerd Rivet has expanded its operations by installing a new parts washer, a new pointer and driller, and new thread rolling equipment. In personnel news, Advanced Components promoted Brad Burrell from Director of National Sales to Vice President of Sales. Valley Forge and Bolt welcomed Rick Bailey as its new chief metallurgist. Distribution One announced that Jim Mayer is now Director Global Customer Success and Operations. Century Fasteners Corporation promoted James Harding to Director of Operations. Brainerd Rivet Company appointed Joseph Lamina as General Manager and announced that Brainerd Sales Manager Paul Kovach mm -hmm. has retired after 27 years of service. Brainerd's new Director of Sales is Donnie Kirkwood. In contract and representation news, Cooper and Turner will supply foundation studs to the Las Lomas Wind Farm Project. Bolton won a full-service provider contract to supply fasteners to a European automotive manufacturer, and R&D Fasteners has appointed HC Pacific as its exclusive master distributor for over 900 products. 
In association news, the Metropolitan Fastener Distributors Association, also known as the MFDA, named Erwin Tansman and Christopher George to the MFDA Hall of Fame. Adam Derry of Field has been elected to the National Fastener Distributors Association president, and the Industrial Fastener Institute, also known as IFI, has elected Kevin Johnson of Birmingham Fastener as the new IFI chairman, and Edward Lum of Shannon Precision Fastener as the new IFI vice chairman. You can get details on all these stories and more in Fastener Technology International Magazine and the Fastener News Report newsletter, both which are available online at fastenertech.com. Finally, let's turn to the back page to talk about nicknames, mascots, logos, and bullies. I enjoy nicknames for people, places, and things. Sometimes they can be severe or harsh, but mostly I have fond recollections of them being given out with good intentions and humor, as well as for the purposes of identification, brevity, respect, and to honor people and cultures. I once knew a guy who was a master of coming up with nicknames, and when he gave you one, it was usually considered a badge of honor that more often than not spread like wildfire and sometimes led to new nicknames. I still have friends that call me McNutt, Nutter, and Nutman, which always makes me smile. Many nicknames have finite shelf lives, as I know some Mikeys and Tommies that prefer Mike and Tom as adults, and others can't be shaken, including Fastener ones like the Columbus and Vegas Fastener shows and Fastener Tech Magazine. Our collective fondness and desire for nicknames are main reasons for sports clubs having them. As members of teams, leagues, and locations grew and changed, colors and, and or city names were not enough, and nicknames were adopted, which led to the addition of mascots and logos, all which provide good fun, team spirit, unity, civic pride, as well as merchandising opportunities. This is leading me to the point that nicknames, mascots, and logos are not serious or critical things that need to be focus of a national debate, high emotion, drama, or social justice efforts. In my view, the people that make it a big deal are really interested in self-promotion and the destruction of things that many others consider good and enjoyable. If you don't like a team or a club's name, color, mascot, logo, or their players or even their owners, then don't pay attention to them. If you own one of these teams and don't like any of the above, then make some changes or sell your team to Jeff Bezos so he can put the Amazon Prime logo on football helmets or to Bill Gates so he can vaccinate and barcode the whole team and its supporters before each game. What's ridiculous in my view is bowing down to pressure coming from political, financial, and ideological bullies. If you think changing the Washington Redskins name and logo to something more politically correct will satisfy the 21st century intimidators, then you're not paying attention. Now that the Redskins logo and name are gone, the next targets may be the Indians, Braves, Blackhawks, Chiefs, Seminoles, and Warriors. Then it might be the Patriots, Vikings, Yankees, Saints, Angels, Pirates, Browns, Kings, Knights, Royals, 76ers, and the Irish. Once all the human nicknames are gone, cities with human names will be targeted. Oh wait, that's already happening. Bullies always seek destruction, which is vastly easier than creating things or improving on good foundations. In a recent Wall Street Journal column, Elizabeth Bernstein writes, quote, According to psychologists, bullies have four personality traits called the dark tetrad that often occur together. Machiavellianism, which is the tendency to calculatedly manipulate others for your own good. Psychopathy, that includes the lack of empathy and a willingness to take risk. Sadism, which is the propensity to derive pleasure from an inflicting pain on someone else. And narcissism, an obsession with self and feeling that you are better than other people. Hey, these traits sound very familiar, and they grow like wildfire in the isolation that is provided by cell phones, computers, video games, social media, and internet platforms, and the 2020 COVID-19 quarantines. 
The only way to stop bullies from ruining good things is not to engage with their subversive outrage. The only winning move is not to play the game, as engagement always encourages more attacks. As for me, I will continue to say things like, Go Tribe, and Here Come the Irish. And I will not spend any money on sanitized name, logo, or mascot merchandise. This has been Mike McNulty of Fastener Technology, bringing you the Fastener News Report. Please send your news, pictures, comments, corrections, or complaints to me at McNulty at FasteneTech.com. first and foremost must be reliable no matter what line of work you're in. They should perform consistently and be intended to make the job easier for the consumer. Ergonomically designed for reduced fatigue on the body and longer use on the job site. The Gerbil Riveting Tool Family provides this. Whether you choose from our cordless battery, manual or pneumatic hydraulic tool options, all our tools provide the optimum power and reliability needed for fatigue-free work. Our most important attribute is the assurance that our tools are reliable and provide a solid level of craftsmanship. Quality, the first time. Global Fasteners, globalfasteners.com. BTM Manufacturing is a domestic ISO 9001 manufacturer of threaded fasteners and bent wire products. From anchor bolts to studs to U-bolts, BTM is committed to making your per-print special with the highest quality standards while meeting your on-time delivery schedule. Since BTM began in 1961, this family-owned business has remained focused on providing exceptional service to their customers. Centrally located in Kansas City, Missouri, BTM recently expanded into a 100,000 square foot facility, which allows for the production and manufacture of many projects simultaneously, both large and small quantity. BTM's website at btm-mfg.com allows you to submit custom quotes quickly and easily, and once you do, a BTM team member will contact you as soon as possible to discuss your needs. Are you ready to get started? BTM is. Visit www.btm-mfg.com today. Since 1905, Buckeye Fasteners and the Ohio Nut and Bolt Company have been supplying the world with high-quality fasteners. Our standard product lines include weld fasteners, graded weld screws, leg levelers, self-clinching hardware, clevis pins, rivet nuts, and various other fastener lines, allowing us to support virtually all types of industries. BuckeyeFasteners.com. Buckeye Fasteners, more than just weld. Hey everybody, this is Carmen Vertulo with the Fastener Training Minute coming to you from the Fastener Training Institute and AIM Testing Laboratory in beautiful El Cajon, California. Today's topic, like many of our topics, came via an email question, or actually it was a problem that a client had regarding proper designation of nylon insert lock nuts. And there is a rather interesting, a little bit complicated way that nylon insert and all prevailing torque lock nuts are designated out of a standard called ASME B18.16.6 
When we return, I'll tell you how to properly designate prevailing torque lock nuts so you sound like a professional. The Fastener Training Institute provides product and technical trainings at all levels, and now they're adding in even more value to meet current market demands by providing an expanded schedule of online courses. Take a look at their website today at fastenertraining.org for the full rundown. For yourself, for your team, for the industry. While you're out there, consider becoming a sponsor of the Fastener Training Institute. Details and contact information are available at fastenertraining.org. Now it's back to Carmen with the Fastener Training Minute. Well, welcome back, everybody. Today on the Faster Training Minute, we are talking about prevailing torque lock nuts out of a standard called ASME B18.16.6, which covers both nylon insert lock nuts and all metal lock nuts of the prevailing torque type. Prevailing torque means that they don't spin on by hand. You have to give them a little bit of wrench help to get them past whatever the locking element is. We're very often referring to these lock nuts incorrectly. I had a drawing that came my way recently, and the drawing indicated that it was a nylon insert lock nut and that called it a grade C. And that was incorrect, and we're going to explain to you why that was incorrect. But first, let's maybe cover the basics of B18.16.6. It's a fairly full-featured standard. It covers both the dimensional and the performance requirements of nylon insert lock nuts and all metal lock nuts, and it has a very good designation system for both the dimensions of nylon insert lock nuts and the performance of both nylon insert lock nuts and all metal lock nuts. Let's start with the nylon insert lock nuts. They come in different styles, styles meaning the size and shape of the lock nut. And probably the most common nylon insert lock nut style is called the NE. That's November Echo NE. And those go from quarter to inch and a half in size. And that's a standard hex nut shape. Nothing special about it. Then there is the next one, which is similar to the NE, but it's thin like a jam nut. And it's called an NTE. So whenever you see a T in the designation, it means thin. Also goes from quarter inch to inch and a half. Then in the larger lock nuts, we have a style called NU, that's November Uniform. And that is like a heavy hex nut. It has a larger width across the flats. And those go from quarter inch up to three inches in size. And there's a thin version of that. And it's called an NTU, as you would expect. Uh, The uh, thin U type nut or heavy hex nut also goes from a quarter of an inch to three inches. So those are the sizes that we would use with bolts. When we get down into screws, we have a designation called NM. That's November Mike. NM is from size number two up to size number 12, and it's for use with machine screws. So when you think of the NM, the M is for machine screws. There's also a thin version of that nut called the NTM, and that would be like a machine screw jam nut. So NE, NTE, NU, NTU, NM, and NTM are the different types of nylon insert lock nuts as designated by their dimensions. Beyond that, we also, of course, have to designate them in terms of their performance. And in the nylon insert lock nut world, the 
performance are designated with a letter N in either a 2, a 5, or an 8, just like grades 2, 5, and 8. So the N2 nylon insert lock nut is a grade 2, the N5 is like a grade 5, and the N8 is like a grade 8. So if we were to properly designate a grade 5 nylon insert lock nut, we would say N5. When we go into our all-metal lock nuts, we don't have any of those designations regarding dimensions, though there is a table for dimensions, but there's only one all-metal lock nut. There's no thin versions or heavy hex versions in the standard, but they have similar grades, and those grades are A, B, and C, which would follow the grade 2, 5, and 8. A being grade 2, B being grade 5, and C being grade 8. And then additionally, we have two other nuts, and these would be our flange nuts, and those are grade F and G in either a nylon insert lock nut or an all-metal lock nut, but with a flange. The F grade is like a grade 5 or a grade B, and the G is like a grade 8 or a grade C. So that is how we designate properly nylon insert lock nuts from ASME B18.16.6. It's in your IFI book, so I would recommend that you get it out and read it. If you're selling or using lots of nylon insert lock nuts, it's an excellent specification to learn about. It's full featured. It covers all the dimensional and performance requirements of these nylon insert lock nuts. And by the way, there is no provision for any other material in the standard except for carbon steel. So all of these nuts are made from carbon steel. It does say you can make it out of whatever material that you want, provided that the performance requirements are agreed upon between the customer and the seller. So you can make them out of stainless steel, you can make them out of brass or aluminum, and they often are made out of other materials, but the standard does not cover those. Well, I hope that helped you know more about how to properly designate prevailing torque lock nuts from ASME B18.6.6. This has been Carmen Vertulo with your Fastener Training Minute. Thank you for listening. This is Leo Kaur, a distribu- uh, editor at Distributors Link Magazine, and you're listening to Fully Threaded Radio. Well, Brian, hard to believe, but it's all the way back April 15th, 2019, when the big press release hit the news, the Fastener News Media, about Nautic Partners announcing the acquisition of Linfast Solutions Group. Time really flies, huh? Yeah, I remember. Yeah, none of us knew what that meant. Yeah. Well, we're, a lot of folks are still scratching their heads. I mean, I remember the first time Stellfast and Lindstrom were at the Vegas show, and they had those really cool hockey jerseys. You know, they were trying to represent the uh, <laughs> merger. That was very well done, I thought. And uh, since then, of course, a lot of things have changed and things have been emerging, but there are still a lot of questions. And so we're fortunate today because the latest press release to come out of Linfast Solutions was made by uh, Bill Nikitas, the CEO over there. And this was in late June. And the good news is that two of our longtime acquaintances have new roles. And uh, those gentlemen are with us to talk today about what's happening over there at Linfast and uh, what direction is in fact taking shape. 
So Bernie Longin, he's been with Lindstrom forever. He's been made the president of the Lindstrom division, I guess. is It's the Lindstrom division of Linfast. He'll clarify that for us. And O.J. Simpson, longtime sales manager or VP, I believe. He's the president of the Stellfast division. Gentlemen, thank you so much for hopping on with us. We look forward to hearing all about what's cooking over there. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having us, guys. Cool. Well, you're welcome here. One interesting thing that I caught right away, and this fit well with the hockey jersey motif that I mentioned there. Uh, Lindstrom, of course, is way up from the great white north of uh, where northern Minnesota. And, uh, of course, the world headquarters of Stellfast had been Toronto, Canada. So that was a very logical way to represent yourselves. But you're still way up there, aren't you, Bernie? We've got kind of a shaky internet connection thanks to your <laughs> location these days. Yeah, sorry about that. I'll I'll do my best um, and uh, try to make this work. But but yeah, um, both companies have origins <laughs> in the north, so we thought that would be a kind of a nice splash at the at the show in Vegas a few years ago, and just. Uh, you know, uh, re- kind of represent the North and, and, you know, our, our love of hockey as well. So, uh, thought that might gel with people pretty well. Yeah, I agree with that guys. I mean, it, it was, uh, I'm sure it came out of Toronto and out of Minnesota when they decided on the hockey jerseys. Yeah. I- I'm a hockey fan. Not sure how many people in our company are hockey fans, but they, uh, they wore the, uh, the sweaters well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, you're a East Coast guy, but uh, from that standpoint, you're a hardcore sports nut. So, uh, yeah, it worked out well for everybody. Well, uh, the powerhouse organization that Linfast now is is certainly a force in the industry. Let's face it, a ton, if not the vast majority of fully threaded radio listeners are customers or have been or will be or are. And uh, I think it's a great opportunity. I, I really do appreciate you coming on to, to really launch on a couple of the questions that are still open out there about what's happening. And uh, Bernie, why don't we start with you? I mean, give us the overview. First of all, congratulations on your new role there. What is happening? What do you see coming down the road? Yeah, well, thank you for the congrats. Uh, you know, I, I've been with the company for a long time and uh, you know, see, seen a lot of change from from early on up to date, and uh, I'm very humbled and proud to have the role I have today. Um, I know OJ feels the same. You know, we're uh, we have a long history of uh, of uh, wholesale distribution into our industry, and um, we've made a lot of good friends over the years with our customers, and uh, uh, you know, enjoyed doing business and making friends along the way. But uh, today, um, through a lot of change, uh, you know, it's 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 uh, little bit of a different landscape for us today with uh, being owned by private equity, Nautic. Uh, they've been really good and supportive partners to us. Um, uh, Bill Nikitas has, uh, you know, recognized OJ and I as, as the leaders going forward for the uh, Linfast Solutions Group. And, um, you know, we'd like to talk a little bit about today to uh, specifically our, our friends and good customers out there about what is Linfast Solutions Group? What does it mean today? You know, for many years in the past, um, you know, Lindstrom has been uh, has been very successful and sy- synonymous with uh, supplying metric fasteners to wholesale distribution, 
And in the same breath, uh, you know, with, with Stellfast and OJ, the uh, bulk inch business has really been their forte and, and success. So what does that look like and mean today? Well, you know, I think I think the expectation when the when the news broke was that, wow, you know, they're, they're going to merge and we're going to have this big entity out there that's going to be different. And in, in some ways it is different. In a lot of ways, it's really the same. Uh, you know, Lindstrom, uh, we're, we're going to stay along the lines of what we've always done in metric and Stellfast as well. But where it makes sense, we're going to integrate our company where it can benefit our customers and create a path of least resistance to doing business. And what that is, is analyzing the, the strengths that each company has. As an example, you know, we're, we're uh, at Lindstrom, we're looking at, uh, you know, we, we try never to say no to our customers. We're very flexible and open. Um, we're very diverse in what we supply. We supply 250,000 plus SKUs and growing daily. Um, we're, we've been very successful in the uh, the secondary market. And when I, when I say that, I'm talking about uh, everything from, um, you know, from our, our mega manufacturing group, uh, you know, where we have the large diameter, long length and special products, lots of machinery, inch and metric, cut threads, rolled threads, uh, and, a, and then um, from there all the way to uh, special platings, coatings, patching, you know, in today's market and out into the end user, we're finding a lot of our customers, the vast majority want to buy their products complete. They don't want to have to buy it and incur all the soft costs and expense and, and quite frankly, the pain of, uh, you know, expediting and, and short shipments uh, that comes along with, with plating, patching and coating. And we've gotten very efficient in that market and have had a lot of success. So uh, that along with, uh, you know, the significant packaging operations we have in Illinois and South Carolina, uh, we're, we're literally poised to do anything and everything we can for the customer. Uh, you know, custom labels, barcoding, kittings, literally anything and everything along the inch and metric line, especially with the support of, of uh, the Stellfast brand. Um, they bring a whole new entity into, into the Lindstrom model where we're able to uh, you know, maybe maybe in the case of uh, where, where Stellfast is really excellent at bulk and the customer is looking for that big quantity, you know, nobody better. Stellfast is, is by far the, the leader in, in that type of business. But when it comes to supplying all of the things that I wrapped around the Lindstrom line in inch, you know, we now have a company where we can take that inch product and, and provide it to the customer in, in, in a broken quantity that may need a, a plating, a patch, a coating, a packaging job, maybe a kitting, and, um, you know, supply it that way. Not I mean, always good with metric, but now we have an opportunity to do it in inch. And then on the Stellfast brand, you know, I don't want to speak too much here for OJ, but they have full access to our mega locations and have done a fantastic job of reaching that customer base that Lindstrom hasn't had in the past and supplying a lot of that metric uh, an inch product uh, through Mega as well, another avenue for Stellfast. So in addition to that, um, you know, where we can help broaden the offering in, in, in bulk, in metric, uh, Stellfast has full access 
to the Lindstrom inventory. So this is going to keep evolving into a hybrid company that can literally do anything and everything from from small products, special products, inch metric, small pack, custom pack, uh, finished products, simply and easily to the distributor with as little amount as, as pain as possible where that customer can get that product complete, understand what the cost is and get it right back out to their customer quickly and efficiently. And, and you know, in our models, we do no direct business whatsoever. We're here to support distribution. So there's never going to be a fear of us, uh, you know, knocking on our customer's door. So we're, we're really geared to support the distributor. Going forward, who knows? We're taking a hard look at uh, expanding our packaging operation, um, which which uh, seems to be very good for us. We're, we're very strong and healthy as a company today, stronger than ever. We're uh, we're in a really good position today to uh, to really advance uh, and accentuate what we do as a company. So that's what we look like today. We're going to be looking into different technologies for the customer, even by customer, to understand what is it going to take to do business with the least amount of friction. And and OJ and I are going to head that up, and and we meet often to uh, to talk about with our customers what can we do better for you. So that that's what it looks like today. Now, there's a lot of pieces to this organization. I'd like to know more about that uh, mega piece, which was introduced some time ago, and it sounds like that's going to continue expanding. But let's bring OJ into the conversation here. OJ, congratulations also to you for yeah. your new role. Uh, good man. And uh, what can you add to, to Bernie's information? So, you know, we, we had expectations, and, and I'm sure our customers did too when uh, when they heard about the uh, the combining of our companies, and, and we wanted to do things quickly. Uh, it is a slow process. Um, it, it's uh, we understand that people want to buy inch and metric product from one person, one company, and have it all shipped together, and that didn't happen right away, and for good reason. I mean, it, you do things quickly, and you don't really do them right. You do them a little slower, you get it right, and you don't have to worry about it moving forward. We're truly testing the market right now. We've uh, we've actually put uh, a Lindstrom operation in our LA branch and in our Seattle branch, and so when a cust- they still have to call separate companies to place orders, but we're able to combine those shipments to uh, or combine a pickup, a will call, so they can pick up both metric and inch product. Uh, the expectation is that we do more of that. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd be hard pressed to give you a timeline right now when we see that happening. But there, behind the scenes, there are things that are happening now that could make that a, a, a reality to a lot of our customers around the country. Uh, it's it's uh, it's been a good mix of companies too. Lindstrom is definitely well known for the metrics. Stellfast on the inch product. Uh, Bernie definitely knows Mega well, way better than I do, but Mega on the domestic manufacturing side. And we also own a company in Taiwan for manufacturing too. Uh, lots of strong pieces to this puzzle that we're trying to put together. And, and, you know, we hope one day that everything will come together and we'll be able to, you know, have this offering to our customers that they, uh, that they expected when they heard about this purchase. So does it mean then for both of you that sometime in the sometime in the future then a guy who's in somewhere and and wants both metric and inch stuff can call either a single number and whether it comes from Lindstrom or from Stillfire doesn't really matter they don't need to know that 
Is that how you hope to combine all these operations? So I think where you're going with this is, uh, you know, will will we, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, or will we inevitably end up as as one entity? Um, you know, that I think... No, I don't really, no, I don't really mean that. I, I mean, it might be, but I, I mean, so that there's a confusion, I guess, in the minds of some of the customers as to who do they call. Sure. They want some inch stuff and they want some metric stuff. Do they make two separate telephone calls? Yep. And and that is true today. Um, you know, like I mentioned in the beginning of my comments was things are different, but maybe not completely different. You know, there's still, there's still strong relationships with, with our great salespeople and customers and, um, you know, there's, there's pieces of business out there that are very strong with the Stellfast brand and, and a piece of the customer base that, that Lindstrom doesn't really, uh, you know, entertain that's, that's along the uh, Stellfast line and the same thing with Lindstrom. So, um, but you know, the thing is, is if you got a customer that's buying primarily bulk inch product and uh that that's a great fit for for Stellfast and not Lindstrom but they want to you know a couple boxes of a metric part well we, we right. can arrange that internally and make that happen um you know if you look at our footprint we actually have a lot of uh coverage in the same areas both Stellfast and Lindstrom and in some cases we're able to consolidate shipments for customers and you know move one shipment along but you know we we, we have the ability to do uh, some things for customers today that would where, where there's a definite benefit. So, um, but today, yes, you know, very much so. Okay. Um, uh, you know, uh, still two separate calls, but there are pieces of it that we are integrating for the customer to make it easier to do business. And and a prime example of that is, you know, if you have Inch product and you want it with a, you know, a Magni five sixty five and a patch on it, Inch product, we can do that today. Or maybe in the past, you know, that, that wasn't really entertained. We, we very much want to go after that business and we can do it and we can do it very well. So, so Brian, just to add clarity, you know, the short answer for that is that, uh, you have to call the companies, you know, you have to call Stellfast for the inch and you have to call, uh, Lindstrom for the metrics. Um, how we marry those together is probably not as clear except for those branches. I told you where we have product yep, uh, for right. both companies in the building. Um, our expectations are to have that in more of our branches. Uh, it, it's all about the computer system. Right now, we do operate on two different computer systems. Yeah, Brian doesn't know much about that, OJ. What, computer systems? <laughs> yeah, you'll have to explain it to him as you go. Just be yeah, Lots of people would say that's true. <laughs> I, I don't believe you, Eric. I think Brian knows a little. You're just the man to do it, OJ. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah. so it, it, it's going to take some work. I mean, we're, we're not there yet. Uh, you know, we're building on that. The computer systems definitely have to be, you know, in order to do what we're, we're talking about here, what our customers expect us to do right. is where they can make one call for everything is that our computer systems have to align. And then if we do finally bring out a web presence on there, you know, all our products that, that we carry will be available on there. So it's, it's certainly not out of the realm. Uh, the process, as I said in the beginning, is a slower process than we probably thought in the beginning it would be. But it's our expectations are high. We that's what we want. What our customers want, we listen. That's what we want too. Okay. I mean, all of you have got very, very long time customers. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And like you mentioned in the beginning, uh, you know, we we do share the lion's share of our customer base. We do 
you know, both both entities of Linfast solutions do business with. So that that is true. Yeah. You know, both companies or all companies, you know, we still continue to, you know, we listen to our customers. Uh, you know, we certainly provide quality products and services. You know, we feel like we're competitive in the marketplace and we're always looking towards continuous improvement. And so, again, as I said before, it's it's our customers want it. We want it. It's just, uh, you know, it's something that we're working towards. And, you know, once it happens, you know, and we can add all those pieces to, to this puzzle, even including Mega into that mix, too, I, I think that it, we become a better company if we can do that and, and a better supplier or better partner to our customers. We've mentioned Mega several times now, just for the sake of clarity and some of the listeners who aren't as familiar with that brand. Could you give us the very quick thumbnail on what Mega represents for the organization, Bernie? Sure. So Megametric is uh, the entity of Linfast Solutions Group that will specialize in, in custom per print parts in any quantity you know, small if the truck's in the ditch and one bolt is needed on a Saturday, we can arrange to have that done. Um, That's exactly what I want. Thank you. Uh, you know, the, the, I hope it's not your truck, for God's sake. But, but anyway. Um, yeah. Do you sell metric parts for very strange English cars? Sure. Absolutely. Um, you know, we, we have a Good. lot of, a lot of equipment. Uh, we have, uh, in that shop, we have CNC machines, um, threaders, grinders, uh, hydraulic presses. Uh, we have a water jet, uh, seven-axis Swiss lathe. We have a lot of specialty equipment. Uh, we're big into the stud business. Uh, it's a huge business for us. Um, we can literally make just about anything that that a customer can come up with per print. But the real the real highlight in that area is. Uh, is our multi multi million dollar inventory of large diameter long length inch and metric blanks that we can cut and thread uh, any thread uh, pitch uh, you know pitch diameter hex head cap screws any class or grade you know heat treatment uh, uh, socket head cap screw blanks flange screw blanks hex nut blanks. You know, all of that is available. We have, uh, through the the Stealthfast acquisition, we also have expanded Mega into Canada. They have a great shop in uh, the Toronto area where they really specialty uh, product is is the Hex Nuts. Um, Great job they do up there on on the Hex Nuts along with our our location in, in Greenville, South Carolina. The nice thing about the Mega product is, is with our with our qualified and audited secondary partners, we can deliver those parts complete with again the plating, coating, patching, whatever is required on that part. Um, and you don't have to make a separate call for the Mega division. You can get that product through your Stellfast or Lindstrom customer sales representative, along with all of the other products. The Mega product can be quoted in, in most cases uh, for, for that, you know, cut chamfer rethread type business can be quoted right from your CSR, you know, by email, text, phone call, whatever that is, typically on the phone. We, it's, it's in a lot of cases, we're not going to have to get back to you. We can do that right away for you. And again, we can do as few as one piece and all the way up to whatever. 
you know, we specialize in service there, you know, quick deliveries. Our, our turnaround times there are, are generally two to three days, obviously, unless we have to do a special heat treat or plate. But, you know, for products, we yank off the blanks off the shelf and, and machine. We can get them out the door anywhere from same day to uh, typical delivery, two to three days. I mean, I stopped into a customer who had, be, before this whole COVID mess came up, and uh, uh, they were really in a pinch for a, a special fine thread socketed caps grew really unique length and uh they were going to have a line down and they the only source they had was three days away and they were really in trouble and with with a phone call um i had them parts manufactured and to them that afternoon wow man i i made a i made a great friend there uh, <laughs> uh the other one other story real quick here eric if you don't mind um probably the the premier story we have with Meg is we had a we had a customer that had a an oil head down and they needed I can't remember eight or ten large diameter very special thread bolts hex head cap screws and uh uh that call came in we we put a crew together we we manufactured the parts on a Friday night um we put them in a suitcase, took one of our employees, put them on a plane, flew it up to the oil field. They rented a car, drove them out to the field and delivered the parts to the distributor at the oil head the next day. So we do things like that, you know, in, in special cases to make sure that, uh, you know, our, our customers are providing the highest level of service to the end user or the manufacturer so that, uh, uh, you know, that, that earns business. They're going to call us next time. You know, Linfast can get it done and uh, they've proven it and we're going to call them tomorrow too. So, Oh, that is a mega story right there. I'll tell you, that that's one of my favorite parts of doing this podcast and being in the fastener industry. I love those stories. Yeah. And, and <laughs> thank you very much. And, and, you know, with, uh, with the Stellfast salespeople and the Lindstrom salespeople, uh, we provide that service through through the uh, two manufacturing divisions we have today, and there isn't anything we won't take a look at, regardless of grade, class, material, whatever. Love to take a look at that stuff, and and uh, if it's hot, we can get you out of trouble, and if it's not, we can sure be competitive. So, look forward to some, uh, you know, to continue to grow that mega business, which has been just fantastic for us. We're talking to Bernie Longin and O.J. Simpson of Linfast Solutions. O.J., what are you doing to take all these capabilities to market? Tell us about that part of everything. Uh, we're very good at, uh, well, during good times, we're, we're very good at getting out uh, to see our customers. Uh, I still believe the personal approach is the best way. Uh, we do a lot of work on the road, our outside guys, our management team, everybody's going out. And when we go out, we don't go out as Stellfast or Lindstrom or Mega. We go out and we're introducing all three companies and even our manufacturing division in Taiwan, you know, becomes a piece of the puzzle too. But in general, it's, we talk about everybody. So when a customer has a question and if, you know, if I'm, representing, say, Stellfast at the time, and I'm talking about Lindstrom, and I may not know everything about it. Obviously, Bernie's very helpful, jumps in, his team will help in any any way possible. And they do the same on our side, too. I mean, the brands are very well represented. And, and I think that, uh, you know, as time goes on, our customers will get a better feel for actually what we're trying to put together here. Uh, and it's, you know, it's exciting. I have to tell you that, uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to this and the new position I'm in, I, I, you know, I've been doing this for 37 years. I've made a ton of friends in this industry and, you know, I'm looking forward to the challenges ahead. I think that we're up to it. I know we're up to it. 
yeah, some of the challenges are not of our own choosing. They're this whole you know, COVID mess that we're in, and it's changed the way business is taking place. Um, so just another question, you know, relative to um, yeah, the latest number of this FDI survey, which the number jumped up this month, how do you see the business climate at the moment? So we, we have definitely seen an uptick in our business, uh, you know, not necessarily where uh, I think everybody would like it, but, uh, you know, relative to the fastener distributor index, um, you know, we're, we're following suit with that. Uh, you know, people are, are anxious to get back to work and, uh, you know, anxious to talk to people and, uh, and conduct some business and get their businesses healthy again. So, you know, it, it's an aggressive market right now. And, um, People are doing anything and everything they can to uh, create opportunities and, um, uh, you know, related to, to stock. I think people are, uh, are are careful about where they're putting their money today, but uh, there seems to be an uptick in uh, what's going on out in the world. And, and that's reflective in, uh, in what we see, in, see going on and, and as stated in the, uh, in the FASER index. So I really think we did the right thing. Uh, you know, when, when this all came about and we were deciding whether we would have people work from home or, or not, and where it made sense, of course, uh, we did that. We, we wanted to make sure that our people were safe. And, that, and that's our, you know, was our number one concern going into this. Um, certainly, we wanted to make sure our customers knew that we were available. So we created uh, systems that would allow them to get in touch with their salesperson. And our teams and our warehouse teams, you know, we're, we're doing a great job. I mean, we're absolutely keeping them safe, too. Uh, you know, we, there's, you know, we, we have to make sure that we, you know, that we keep everybody healthy is, I think, the uh, what we can get out of this. And, and I think our customers appreciate that. You know, there's some hiccups in between and they understand, but we we're absolutely seeing an uptick in business now. You know, it's not like it was in uh, April. That was kind of a down period for us. And yeah, it got a little well, better. Good. June got a lot better. I think it got. Uh, I think we really did a good job of uh, making sure our customers were taken care of throughout the process. Yeah, because it's. Uh, I mean, the, as I know a little bit about the fast industry is very much an industry of personal contacts. You, know, you can have all the technology around you, but ultimately, as we found very early on when we started up FCH, ultimately someone wanted to pick up the phone and talk to someone or go and meet them. Well, another follow-up idea, talking about the fastener distributor index. It seems like we're hearing a lot more interest in either reshoring or nearshoring. Yes. I guess to say it another way is people are looking to bring their suppliers closer to home. And uh, I'm wondering if you guys are also seeing that. And I mean, you're very well prepared for it, it sounds like, with your new organization. But are you seeing a lot of evidence in the marketplace that people are looking to bring their suppliers either back to the U.S. or at least, let's say, reshuffle their uh, supply chain a little bit? So I'll say that that's absolutely something that our customers look at. Uh, I mean, it, it it makes sense in certain areas. I mean, I, we, we do carry a domestic line in new core, and, uh, but most of our product is imported from overseas. Uh you know, I, I think it comes down to, you know, that there's got to be a price uh, advantage to that. Um, you know, having Stelfast, Lindstrom, Mega, you know, close here in the States and, and supporting them with inventory that we have and making sure that supply chain is not broken. I, I think right. that's uh, that's the way that we support our, our, our customer base. 
I mean, whether they look to get things closer and, and have them here, yeah, I probably can't answer that. That's probably more of a distributor question. But, uh, you know, we, we understand it. We, we know that it's out there, that people consider it. But as long as we do our jobs, I don't think we're going to, you know, we're going to lose our business. I think that it'll, you know, it, we, we may lose a portion of it or we may have to retool things a little bit. But, uh, you know, we're here because we support our distribution base by having product in stock. And I think that's what they want at a competitive price. You know, I, I think that's that's part of the beauty of, uh, of of where we sit today and doing business with with Linfast is that uh, we do offer a lot of that diversity in our product group. Um, you know, we do have customers that, you know, to answer this completely, we, we have a segment of customers that are really you know, demanding as far as they want the made in USA or, you know, North American product. And, you know, we can supply that and we can do some of that through our mega division and through some of our, you know, our, our supplier network. And also, you know, to OJ's point, you know, our, our business has been successful because, you know, we're a stocking entity. We want to have as much of that product available to our customers off the shelf and, uh, that means uh, having it in stock close to the customer to create, you know, high service level levels uh, to the customer and efficiencies and things that become very important, especially in a time like this when people are are very conscious of where they're putting their dollars uh, in their business today. Where, you know, they they maybe at this time because of the uncertainty in our world don't want to load up on inventory and and put all their money in that inventory. They want to utilize you know, a, a great master distributor supplier like Glenfast and, and use us as their stocking warehouse. So, well, I think you're right, Bernie. I mean, ultimately it comes down to that. And that's where you really are fulfilling the mission of a master distributor. You're providing that role. You're, you're very, very well equipped to do that. Um, you're not really looking at yourself purely as a, an importer. You're looking at yourself as a, as a supplier uh, across the board. And I think that's really a great message that you have right now. Again, as you say, during these times, when People certainly seem to be. We've heard, we're hearing a lot of evidence that the trend is that people are really rethinking a lot of things, or they're prepared to do so. So, if it's a trend that's building, or if it's just a talk right now, I don't know. That's why I asked the question. Well, you know, I think our forte for the entire Linfast Solutions Group is that uh, you know this is a service industry, and and our service is unlimited. You know, we we will we'll look at anything and everything to get, again, get that product to our customer complete. But also there's a pretty good chance based on, you know, historical data that we're going to have that inventory available very quickly and very easily to the distributor. I mean, let's face it, uh, you know, laying in a big inventory and, and using a trading company or importing direct, there's a fit for that in our industry with some you know, some of the distributors, but that has a risk too. There's a risk involved with that. And yeah, we, we mitigate that risk for the distributor. You know, that, that's really our strength is, yeah, you know, it's, you can probably save a little money buying it direct, but you're tying up all your money in inventory and it sits in your warehouse until you move it. And maybe that part becomes obsolete and you're stuck with it. That's gone. That's what we do. And that's the service we bring into our industry. And I think people are starting to, uh, uh, you know, really realize the value that a company like Linfast brings to the table. It's quick, it's easy, it's friendly, and and uh, we're good at it. 
why not just make the call? It's it's very simple. Wow, man. You want to cut a commercial right now? <laughs> right. Sure. I think you need to you need to go on the radio. <laughs> I wish there was money in it. <laughs> There's not. <laughs> Good job, Bernie. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just I'll give my two cents on it. I mean certain certainly customers want to improve their supply chain and you know they 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 read a lot they see a lot they're they're hearing things that are going on overseas and you know what we're pushing for in the united states and you know they'd probably be smart to look at things like that uh but we've always had our place in, in this industry and, and as long as we continue to support the, the customer base you know they they there's decisions that have to be made, but I, I don't think that they'll affect us as, as drastically as maybe we're, you know, is out there right now. I think that we, we still need to do, you know, support the customer base, do what we do well. And, and you know, that that's what our customers appreciate. And they'll continue to, you know, come to us. We'll continue to be, you know, support their needs. Well, you're getting out there now. I mean, uh, you got any, any other questions? Uh anecdotes to share as we start to wind the conversation down. I know you're a man of many words when you're in the right mood. We've kind of <laughs> penned you in a little bit here, OJ, but uh, what, right. what's going yeah, on out right. there in the real world? Ah, in the real world. I wish I wish I had something that was that earth shattering. I was <laughs> trying to think about things, but uh, I, I was just thinking, you know, you know, I do have fun and I, and I, I like what I do and, and, and I can't wait to get out there and travel again. I feel like I'm a, a trapped rat waiting to yeah. get out to see customers because I, I do like to talk. I do like to, you know, tell a story or two and, and, you know, I, I miss that part of it. It's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's not like it used to be, but we will get back to that. So I'm excited about what's happening in the future. Uh, you know, I was thinking about something the other day that, you know, I've been called OJ for a very, very long period of time. It's a nickname, not my real name. Uh, you know, it's, uh, no, I don't murder people. I don't steal memorabilia. <laughs> so I'm off the hook on that kind of stuff. But right. I remember that I was working for Reynolds Fasteners way back when, and Don Haggerty was my boss. And he sent me, he sent me to the branch in LA during the height of the trial for OJ Simpson. Oh God. Yeah. And so he said, he called me in his office and he said, listen, I want you to go out there. They need some help. And you know, you're the right guy to go bring your family. So it was a nice, you know, it would have been a little vacation. And he goes, but there's one thing I'm going to suggest to you. He goes, for those two weeks that you're there, you might want to go by your real name, John. And I said, <laughs> boy, isn't that funny? Yeah, OJ was not well-loved in those days. So so I, I, I was oh, John yeah. for two whole weeks. <laughs> yeah, I remember that time very, very well. I'm sure you've had a lot of fun with that over the years. Yeah. You know, people remember OJ. They don't remember John. So I'm going to stick with OJ until he does, well, what more can he do? Yeah, no, you got it now. I mean, it's it's you. So it's one of those things in the fastener industry. A lot of people know you and you got it, man. So, Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate your time. Well, I was going to also say that um, there's it's sort of you're the odd man out a little bit here in this conversation because there's there's something that we all have in common and uh, I'm I'm seeing here like a four guy musky outing and uh, we initiate you into the brotherhood. What do you think of that one, Bernie? <laughs> Develop a little team dynamics here. Yeah, no, I th I think it would be good. I think uh you know, OJ is a pretty adventurous guy and I think he would uh 
I think you know with with uh, with your uh, your your guide service, I think he would enjoy hooking into something like that. It's quite an experience. Obviously, uh, you and Brian are are way bigger musky fishermen than I am. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, that sounds like a blast. I I, I think I, I think that's got to get on the calendar. Yeah, well, we're going to get a few FCH thread sheds in the mail, and uh, we'll we'll have to set it up. And you, you're too humble because I've seen the photos, Bernie. Well, don't don't get too impressed. I've I've not caught near the muskies in my life. You have, but uh, but I've I've gotten a few over the years, and uh, uh, mostly by mistake. But I'll take them. Um, right. Yeah. I always consider all of mine by by mistake. Okay. <laughs> or by fluke. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I I got the gear. I've been out doing it, and and I've caught quite a few doing that, but. Uh, some of my my best successes anyway have been you know fishing for northerns or bass and you, you get the occasional uh you know hungry critter that that you end up with and uh it's, that's my biggest one was bass fishing and uh, it was a lot of fun so um you got to experience it it's one of the great outdoor experiences is catching a muskie it's pretty amazing i assume there'll be beer there <laughs> I see that you are somewhat acquainted with the sport, OJ. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed to hear it from you. Yeah, we'll, we'll have you covered. Don't worry. I, I'm going to take that as an affirmation of this idea, and that's great. Well, Bernie, you know, it's uh, part of it is just putting yourself in the position to uh, score. So it's you're in that part of the world, and, and we'll get OJ out there too. And Succeeding in the fastener world means partnering up with companies that are going to put you where you need to be, and that's Linfast Solution Group. Bernie Longin, OJ Simpson, you're two of the big dogs over there. You're going to be around for a while, and we're looking forward to big things. Thank you so much for joining us on Fully Threaded Radio and also the longtime support of Stellfast. We're looking forward to seeing how that rolls out with Linfast Group as well. I mean, it's been huge. Stellfast was the first company to really believe in what we're doing here with the podcast, and uh, we will have eternal gratitude for that. Well, thanks for having us, guys. Yeah, thank you very much, and uh, we we really appreciate the opportunity and the time, Eric, and uh, we've been through a lot of change in in summation here, and uh, whatever comes our way, we're going to adapt and overcome and uh, take care of our customers. So we're going to be around, and we don't know where this road is going to take us, but... uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue to uh, to change and listen to our customers. That's all great. And that's our pleasure. And we, you do know where it's going to go. It's all going to go up, okay? Thank you guys for having us on. And we do appreciate it. And we look forward to supporting our customers and bringing this whole thing together. And you know, I'm hoping for all our customers that they're safe and healthy. And uh, we'll talk soon. That's cool. You bet. Okay, guys, we'll talk down the road. And, uh, you know, we'll uh, check your calendars. <laughs> all right. Everybody, it's Fully Threaded. We'll be back right after a word from G. Hmm. We'll be right back. Stellfast customers say it all. My name's Chris Jones. I'm the operations manager at Sunpack Incorporated in Florida. We certainly rely on Stellfast as one of our prime vendors. 
we view them more as a partner than just a vendor. And that relationship just seems to build and build year after year. Uh, we do a little bit more business and have a very open line of communication. They've been a great partner. They've been good to us. So yeah, we're very happy. For service you deserve and people you trust, it's Stealthast. ND Industries has been solving customers' toughest problems through innovative technologies, competitive pricing, and industry-leading service since 1955. A family-owned business, ND Industries manufactures and applies fastener locking, bonding, sealing, masking, and assembling products. Their pre-application process makes fasteners ready to use at the point of assembly, resulting in reduced labor costs, time savings, and superior quality assurance. As a fully integrated company, ND handles all aspects of operations from formulating custom chemical compounds and coating fasteners to providing inline inspection, packaging, and delivery services. ND Industry serves the global market with 13 divisions in the continental U.S. and also facilities in Taiwan, China, and Turkey. Learn more about ND Industries at our website at www.ndindustries.com. ND Industries, innovative technologies, competitive pricing, and industry-leading service. Contact ND today. Are you tired of empty promises from software vendors? Are you paying for support that you're not receiving? Is it time for another paid upgrade? There is a solution. InSQL delivers quality software designed for the fastener industry at an affordable price with industry-leading support. Quality software, affordable pricing, industry-leading support. Only InSQL can deliver all three. www.insql.com Solution Man, Ken. Solution Man, you're my fastener hero. Just doing my job, ma'am. S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N, S-O-L-U-T-I-O-N. Solution Industry. We are Solution. Coming to you live from a much larger desk drawer, this is Jake Davis with BTM Manufacturing, and you are listening to my friends Brian and Eric on Fully Threaded Radio. If we do go out musky fishing with these guys, we're going to have to take two boats. And I think you and Oche would make a really devastating musky team. <laughs> Why do you think that? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just kind of feeling that energy. Well, I had a long set of talks with them, and while we were dealing with recording issues, actually, we discussed all sorts of things relating to this current mess we're all in. Well, Linfast is definitely working hard, despite the fact that they're all working from home like everybody else is, or I shouldn't say they all are, but there's a lot of that going on. Right. And uh, getting back to musky fishing, we did mention at the top of the podcast that you did get a chance to swing out this way recently, and we did finally manage to put the boat in the water, and we had a musky hunt, but man, we got hit. Talk about summer doldrums. It was a roast-a-thon out there, and I think I think the skeezers were like, uh, you know, at the bottom of the lake in 60 feet or something because, man, we didn't see even, well, 
really that great. It was uh, less than stellar. Right. And it was um, the amazing thing was that we never even had a single follow. I mean, we, well, that we saw, okay? Really weird. But the water was too warm. That was the problem. I think they prefer to get down, down, stay cool, not have, you know, 85 degree water. Yeah, those surface temps were brutal. Anyway, looks like we'll be holding off till fall at the earliest to do that with OJ and Bernie, but it'll be fun when we do. And it was good of them to join us on the podcast today. Yeah, it was. And you're going to have to come back out here when it cools down a little bit too, Bri, because this has been such a screwed up year. Usually we're well into our season and we didn't even launch, you know, till July, which is nuts. Well, and of course, the other reason is that I will have rested and all my legs and arms will have recovered from my stint at the Big Deal Barbell Gym. <laughs> yeah, well, see, that was a highlight of the trip. I mean, musky fishing might have been a bust, but you did get some training in. And I'm telling you, man, this new gym is, that is one thing I like doing in the heat. And you don't have to be faced with a real gym where we're a real I guess, corporate gym where you have to fiddle around with your bottle of Clorox wipes and whatever. I won't be participating in that. Anyway, all part of the stay-at-home tour. And again, I'll thank Bernie and OJ for appearing on today's episode, along with Alex Chisovsky of ITR Economics and Tim O'Keefe of GL Hewitt. He joined Mike McNulty on the Fastener News Report today. Thanks for that analysis, gentlemen. I think you're pretty right on with that whole euphoria, but probably still some decent business, but tempered theory. Yeah. And Carmen Vertulo had the Fastener Training Minute. Good job as always, Carm. The title sponsors of Fully Threaded Radio are Stellfast. For service you deserve and people you trust, it's Stellfast. And Brighton Best International. Tested, tried, true. Brighton Best. Global Fasteners. Quality the first time. Global Fasteners. Fully Threaded Radio is also sponsored by Buckeye Fasteners, BTM Manufacturing, Eurolink Supply Service, Fastener Fair USA, Fastener Technology International, InSQL Software, ND Industries, Parker Fasteners, Volt Industrial Plastics, Worth Industry North America, and Solution Industries, home of Solution Man. Thanks to all our sponsors, and thanks to each and every one of you for clicking in today. We appreciate it when you let us know what you think of the show. The email address is ftr at fullythreaded.com. Please share the podcast with your friends and business associates. It's really the main way we keep things growing around here. Next episode, Bri, it'll be a sign of the times as we'll be talking with Neil Sexton of Northern Supply, which is a worth company. And he's going to be explaining some of the ins and outs of expanding your business into the highly lucrative PPE market. Good. Well, I guess we all have to work out how to change our businesses around to keep them going in these stay-at-home times. That's what people are doing. So you got to change it up. And speaking of changing it up, I had a whole thing here that I was going to delve into. And I got to tell you, I don't know if it's the summer doldrums or what, but you know, I think we're just going to punch out right here. And uh, I'll thank you all for clicking in once again, everybody. Hey, we hope that you're doing the best you can under current circumstances and doing what you need to do to take care of yourself this summer. And I'll add to that, it's even more important these days to be patient and helpful to your family, friends, 
and also people you bump into or nearly bump into despite the six foot buffer. <laughs> Life's too short to stay at home, so get out there. Right. We're social people, okay? That's the problem and the great benefit. So do what you can, folks. And until next time, for Brian Musker, this is Eric Dudas. Get out there, sell some screws, and we'll talk to you next time. Keep healthy, and we'll look forward to catching up with you next time. Fully Threaded Radio is a production of Fastener's Clearinghouse. Music provided by Audio Nautics. <laughs> Master is still alive. Look into my eyes. I can make you my puppet, for I am your master, and you will obey me. 